All right, it's Friday. It's 102 days to go. That means by the time we get back on Monday, it'll be our 99-day countdown till the most pivotal, crucial, most important election in our lifetime, the biggest choice election in our lifetime, and you will be the ultimate jury. Don't listen to the mob. Don't listen to the media. Uh, I, I will stay with my analogy that Linda will never understand. It's the it's right now. Act like you're six uh, points behind. There's two minutes left in the game. You're on your own 20. You got to march down the field 80 yards. No timeouts. You got to cross the plane, kick the extra point to win. If that's the mindset, then then the America can shock the world again. You can shock the world again. And the mob and the media can choke on the words. We can now project Donald J. Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States of America. That power is yours. It's not mine. And, um, you know, that's why we wrote Live Free or Die. Uh, when we get back Monday, we will be literally eight days away. And we have some announcements that we'll be having for you uh, next week. You know, it's amazing to watch now these 15, we've spent a lot of time on this. These 15 mayors uh, now in all of these liberal cities, we know the main places, New York City. I mean, is there anybody dumber than Comrade de Blasio? I mean, uh, seriously, he's just maybe Cuomo, but I guess all of them are. All the coronavirus failure governors that lecture everybody else. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, from New Jersey and Murphy and Wolf in Pennsylvania and Whitmer, Whitless and, you know, shut down. I mean, it's madness. And then we're watching Portland. Then we're watching Seattle, California cities. 15 men. We don't want your help. Now, the way they're portraying this in the mob is the president. What does Nancy Pelosi say? Stormtroopers. What did uh, James Clyburn say? Gestapo, Nazi Gestapo. I mean, I I thought we weren't allowed to use those analogies in this world, but of course the double standard is is so flagrant now, it's ridiculous, but. And this Attorney General seems to be doing everything they possibly can to impose uh, Gestapo activities in local communities. And that's the bill that is supported by the House Democrats as well. I hope the Republicans will join us. It's very, very important. The use of stormtroopers under the guise of law and order is a tactic that is not uh, yeah. appropriate to our country in any way. You have Speaker Pelosi out there just sounding like a lunatic. You had Maxine Waters discussing, I mean, this these insane conspiracy theories. Now, Trump is, is invading cities with parliamentary and secret police forces as a trial run for an election coup, and he's never going to leave office. I mean, it's all over the left-wing media and the Washington Post even. There's dumb as, I, I mean, I've never seen this madness. As if the three-plus years of Trump-Russia collusion is enough, and Hillary's still pushing that stupid narrative. And the only one that paid for Russia disinformation in 2016 was her and her campaign. And it, it's all these idiots on the fake news networks. We don't even have enough time to get into all of this. You have Trump is trying to start a race war. 
Biden now desperate. You, you know, we went through this yesterday. You know, say, oh, first racist president. By the way, he got crushed today. Um, what was it? Uh, Charlemagne the God, right? Was that the person? Oh, That's it. what a brutal eight-minute ramp beatdown. I should, I, I should play the whole thing. And uh, somebody needs to give him Biden's history on race and what he says, you know, supporting, you know, the former Klansman as his best friend and the dean of the Senate, and my mentor. Wow. The guy that filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act uh, or his comments on segregation, integration. And I don't want my kids going into, you know, integration uh, where where it's going to be a racial jungle, he said, and predators with the crime bill. You know, one hearing. I understand he was quoting somebody else, you know, just, you know, 13, 14 instances of the N word. You know, if Donald Trump did any of this, it would be unbelievable. Why? And and this is just now, for me, it's just a fact. These mayors, I mean, tough guy, uh, Comrade de Blasio, or, you know, this guy Wheeler out in Portland, or the the dopey mayor in Seattle, uh, Jenny Durkin, you know, allows city blocks to be taken over. Um, I, I listen to them. And I watch them. They seem more interested in attacking President Trump. And and they do it with such passion than they do about protecting and serving the people that put them in office. And in case they don't know, let me remind them all. Their number one role is to protect, to keep people in their in their towns, in their cities safe and secure. Now, you know, the geniuses that are coming up with these, let's send in social workers. What the hell is a social worker going to do in any of these situations? Now, there might be moments where maybe a mental health professional can be brought on the scene. But, you know, when we're talking about violence and anarchy and arson and looting and burning buildings and taking over police precincts and just letting it go on and the idiot out in Portland joining in with the protests, by the way, that didn't work out too well for him. Uh, yeah, you know, you you know, we we have to interview. We didn't have to. I mean, I I was shocked when I interviewed Horace uh, Horace uh, Lorenzo Anderson Sr. That mayor never called this man. That father who lost his 19 year old son, his namesake Junior, 19 years old. You know, I, I was the first person to call the guy. I'm like, this. there's something not right here. The mayor never called. I think she might have called out of shame because I did this national interview, and you see the heart of a father just devastated, broken. I don't know how any parent recovers from that. I, I don't. You know, you want to ruin? I, I, I just don't know. I don't know how a dad survives that. So how do you recover? I know he's got what, three or four other children, four, I think, you know, he'll fight it every day of his life for his other children's sake. But imagine that pain when you lose a one-year-old, you know, child, uh, a precious child in Brooklyn in a stroller in a park, when you lose a seven-year-old little girl, a beautiful little girl, actually I have her picture right next to me. Because I used it on TV one night. Beautiful young girl, seven years old, all the promise that God put in this child. And, you know, it's the 4th of July weekend. She's at grandma's house playing. 
she gets shot and killed. Or the eight-year-old that was shot is the little autonomous summer of love zone in Atlanta. You know, where the Wendy's had been taken over for weeks. The mayor down there left, let that happen. A mom made an accidental wrong turn right into the zone. And this precious girl down there is shot dead, eight years old. This past weekend, you got same thing, 10 and 11 years old, uh, young people shot in Chicago. I mean, how many is it, how many people, you know, I, I, I don't even, I shudder to think what I have to report on Monday at this point. Because I'd like to report, I'd love to report, I pray we can one day report, because we are the United States, we know how to fix this. It's not hard, Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Carrick showed everybody the way. Now, Comrade de Blasio cuts a billion dollars, gets rid of the street fighting crime unit and a dopey governor in New York, no bail. Never seen anything like it. You think their coronavirus response was pathetic. You know, they're, they're out there. The dope in Portland is out there. He's out there with the anarchists. They're now looking at the, the federal law enforcement legally protecting federal buildings that people are stating and trying to burn to the ground. Oh, President Trump is sending in stormtroopers and starting a race war. The president in my interview last night said, I can't go in and I'm begging them to let me help them restore law and order and safety and security. Now, I, I, if it gets that bad, constitutionally, the president does have the Insurrection Act. But when you have every dopey, dumb liberal mayor in all of these cities more interested in calling him names and fighting with him than they are in protecting their own citizens and distracting the American public for, you know, whatever, it's 56 days in Portland. I, you know, I, I don't know what else to do. The president can protect federal property. He's doing it. The attorney general is looking into finding the leaders, the agitators, organizing all of this unrest. You know, they obviously, you know, they're actually claiming the fake news media mob and these mayors, they're actually claiming, oh, everything's just fine. Really? Okay, let's let's go to the audio tape and let's listen to what's fine in Portland. And you tell me if this sounds uh, like it's safe and secure to you. This is what I think about the federal government being in our city. You know, I'm, I'm reading the news today as I read every day. I, I have extensive amounts of piles of, of Rush always calls it his stack of stuff, which I thought was, is always funny because it's true. Yeah, every, any talk show host understands it. And when we first all, when I started in talk radio, now I'm 33 years in. It was 1987, the first time I got behind a radio mic. And, you know, I, I mean, I only had local papers and national news magazines and maybe USA Today at some point came on the scene. But 
you know, I'm watching all of this and I'm reading all about it. And, you know, Mayor Lightfoot's home became the site of protests. Uh, she's trying to remove memorials instead of keeping people safe. All right, you want to you want to paint over streets and you want to remove memorials? Do it legally. Make the case to the public. In the meantime, can you keep people alive? I, I, maybe I just prioritize differently than they do. Uh, the shooting of the funeral home. Mayor Lightfoot, let's play the shooting of the funeral home. Really? You're, you're after Donald Trump? 70 people shot last weekend, 64 the week before. We had 15 shot on a weekday this week. Just tell me if this sounds like safety and security to you, Mayor Lightfoot or Lightweight. Every American watching that and hearing that is saying, yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds like the safest city in America. Unbelievable. It's a war zone. We're losing our American family. We're losing the cities. We're losing our children, grandmas, grandpas, moms, and dad, and they reject all attempts to help. It is sick beyond any words that I can muster. Matter of fact, it has been suggested that this is a trial run by the president of the United States who may be organizing uh, to not accept uh, what happens when we have the election if he's not elected. And he helpfully said the quiet part out loud by pointing out that the cities that will be, in a sense, invaded by Trump's secret police are led by Democratic mayors. I think we were looking at a potentially a trial run for a kind of gen, a genuine attempt to 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 through intimidation and potentially through force to try to uh, to try to steal this elections. The problem here is apparently the president has this imaginary world in his head where he thinks the u.s cities are under siege the idea that federal agents are in a city uh, uh with americans it doesn't that's not really the point here this is like secret police snatching up americans sticking them into into cars that's the mob they have peddled lies smear slander conspiracy theories hoaxes they have dragged this country through hell. And that's the 99%. Now we're back to the newest conspiracy theory. And Donald Trump, you know, has the, these, this is a trial run for the secret police and him planning on never leaving office. They're sick. Now, I have good news. On the other side of the news break at the bottom of the hour here, I'm going to tell you about it. I'll give you a hint. It has to do with uh, Nicholas Sandman. Uh, I made a prediction. It's all but going to be coming true, rightfully so. And I couldn't be prouder of his attorney, Lynn Wood, or happier for this young man. It is a disgrace what the mob did to this guy. He will be a billionaire is my prediction. I'll explain the good news on the other side, the other news of the day, my interview with the president, Huge news on the deep state, Greg Jarrett, David Schoen. And yes, we're going to talk about stopping violence straight ahead. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. All right, so I promised some good news. And I, this to me is really good news. Um, I've been blessed to know attorney Lynn Wood going back to my days in Atlanta since 1996. 
Um, he represented Richard Jewell. Long story short, it, I, I learned so many lessons in Atlanta. I mean, I was welcomed to the city the first day I arrived by then Mayor Maynard Jackson. Uh, I got to, to meet, debate, and in some ways forge friendships with even people I disagree with politically, but I grew in tr- tremendous respect. And, I, and we, John Lewis, for example, just passed away. I never agree with John Lewis on politics, but there's never been one of the bravest men I met in my life. And, you know, I, I met the civil, the, the heart and soul of the civil rights movement when I, on those years in Atlanta. I learned so much. It was a, it was an education for me. Maynard Jackson would come on. Uh, Andy Young, not as much. I never thought he liked me that much, but I had nothing but total respect for Andy Young. Joseph Lowry, oh, we used to have these knockdown, drag out political fights. Totally respect him. Southern Christian Leadership Council leader for so many years. Good man. Uh, Hosea Williams, I became such good friends with. Probably the most fun interview you'll ever do in any any one lifetime. He's since passed away. A lot of people passed away. Later on, Bill Campbell, um, he got in trouble. But I, I still kind of like Bill Campbell in some ways. Just never agreed with his politics. Um. But these were heroes of the civil rights movement. And, you know, I don't know if people remember, but the march from Selma to Montgomery and John Lewis, you know, this, this is when the water hoses were used. This is when the, the you know, the bricks and the bottles and the, a, a mob mentality, you know, against peaceful protesting led by Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And they did it. He got hit in the head with a brick, this man. And he kept fighting his whole life with with the passion of it. And it was peaceful protesting. And they changed the world. I mean, they made us a more perfect union. Are we perfect? No. Have we made a lot of progress because our system of governance allows, and this is the beauty of our framers and founders, allows for us to correct injustices and, and right wrongs and injustices, all that, to become a more perfect union? Yeah. Yeah, we made a lot of progress. We have a lot of progress we still need to make, no doubt about it. Nobody's saying we're perfect. There's no perfect people. Um, And I got to know Lynn Wood, um, who's, you know, at the top two by far, libel attorneys, slander attorneys in the country are Lynn, and and I believe Charles Harder is another one. And I, I have such respect for Lynn Wood. He's a hero. And Lynn Wood, you know, I was on the air when Richard Jewell, when, when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution came out with, uh, you know, the hero security guard fits the profile of the lone bomber because he lives with his mother. And I'm on the air reading this live, and I'm like, okay, he's probably trying to save money. Just because you live with your mom and dad and you're a security guard and you want to be a police officer— uh, that just sounds like a smart thing to do so you get ahead in life. I know so many people after college, they've gone back to live with their parents. It's not ideal, but yeah, you do it because that's just the reality. I was so stubborn, I probably should have done it myself. I was just, I just, no way I was ever gonna, I, I'm gonna do everything on my own. Anyway, and I'm on the air, I didn't know Richard Jewell was listening at that time. And I'd later come to find out, and I had one of the first interviews with him on, on uh, then Hannity and Combs, and he said, you were the only one in the media that said, you know what, 
calm down. This is bull. And I didn't rush to judgment. And if you want to know why I've been right when the mob is so often wrong, I learned right then and there. And it stuck with me my entire career. And that's why we were right on Ferguson, Missouri. I, I, I had, Linda, we had sources early on that said, yeah, there are eyewitnesses that are going to corroborate Darren Wilson's story. That's Completely. exactly right. Yep. You know, when Freddie Gray happened, uh, same thing. I, I was the only one on air that said not one of these cops is going to be, is ever going to be convicted. And I'm the only one saying it. Cambridge Police, I talked about that. UVA, remember that case? We were right there. I actually took the time when the Duke lacrosse case happened. I'm still kind of ticked off at, at some of the family there for one reason. I, I took the time to actually go out and meet with some of the families and some of the kids. And when it came to the interview time, they wanted nothing to do with me. I'm like, oh, really? And meanwhile, I was on the air saying this, I didn't believe it happened. Sadly, in that case, you had you know nearly 100 professors at, at Duke you know, taking out this ad in a newspaper, convicting these, you know, rich athlete kids and believing every false charge. They had to prove their innocence. But I knew early on that was coming, too, because it was shared with me sources that I will never reveal. Um, and, you know, how do we get it? How did we get it right on? And I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm just saying I learned a lesson and it's it served me well. Not rushing to judgment. Due process, presumption of innocence. By the way, something, Linda, do I ever get any of that from anybody no, ever? Never. No. Have I ever called for anybody to be fired because of what they say or their views? Nope. Just so the opposite. I, I, I defend them. You know, I, I got at the time, I mean, I think, for example, Joy Reid was on the verge of being fired. I really believe that. And I think she believed it. She wrote me a nice note. She'll never remember it. Now she just trashes me, which is fine. That's that's the business. I, I'm cool with that. Totally cool with it. Um, yeah, I'm not I, so cool with it, actually, but all right. Well, it, I'm fine with it. You know, I did think I there's ever a like... certain amount of respect that we can give each other and agree to disagree. That's the problem with the whole country right now. There's no respect. There's no discourse. You can't did disagree Did I ever anymore. call for Bill Maher's firing? No. Did I ever support a boycott? No. Did I ever? I, don't, I refuse to. Jimmy Kimmel recently, you know, I had a fight with him and a war with him, and I reminded him of all the crazy stuff that he's done uh, just to make a point because he was being a jackass to the first lady. And I knew once I started bringing hashtag Disney into it that he's going to have to he's going to have to back down. And he did. But I never said fire him. You know, he came under fire. Fallon came under fire. Blackface, you know, all of these things. And I've you know, I've always said, you know, give people another chance. Let them let them see if their apology is sincere and then you'll know by their actions after. And at the end of the day, the audience gets to decide. You know, how will we write on Russia, Russia, Russia being the, the lie conspiracy theory that it was? There was not a lot of us. But we, we literally pounded away at it. They got it all wrong. We got that right. Same with Ukraine and quid pro quo Joe, zero experience Hunter. Same with Hillary, the Espionage Act and obstruction with the emails. You know, same with the dirty Russian misinformation dossier that Hillary Clinton bought and paid for to influence the 2016 election. They never talked about any of that. And so my point is, is that Lynn Wood, we have this incident, if you remember, with Nicholas Sandman. Now, 
There are a lot of news outlets being sued. The first to settle was fake news CNN. And by the way, when these agreements happen, they have what are called non-disclosure agreements. We'll never know the amount of money. Uh, I know that it was to, they were suing fake news CNN for about 250 bucks. The reason I think they went first is 250 knew, million. I'm sorry. 250, what did I say? 250 bucks. No. Okay. 250 million. Um, the reason I knew that why CNN settled first is because they know Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood doesn't need any money anymore in his life. Lynn Wood does this with a passion. Because there is lying, slander, smear, besmirchment, character assassination. Pretty much anything can be said about me, and it is. And I get lied about with regularity. And I really don't have a lot of recourse, although stay tuned. I'm just telling you, and it, it, it will be, there's a long-term strategy in place. Um, so they paid, we don't know how much. Now, the Washington Post on Friday, they've now settled. Uh, Bezos, I'd like to know what he paid because it's only a fraction of his wealth. You know, it was a $250 million lawsuit by Nicholas Sandman. Um, But this is why they got sued. The difference between liberals, the mob, the media, these politicians, whoever it happens to be slandering me is a case, landmark case known as Times v. Sullivan. And it's very, very clear, you know, that you, that you have to prove malice. How do you prove malice in somebody's heart? In Nicholas Sandman's case, all of these media outlets took a small snippet, 15 seconds of Nicholas Sandman, and they went with a false narrative and lies, and they, they tried to destroy this young man. He had the unmitigated gall. His first time in D.C., he was wearing a MAGA hat. Make America Great Again hat. They never even asked him what his side of the story was. They did zero investigative work. And even after the truth came out and more video became available, they still slandered this kid. I predicted at the time he's going to be a billionaire. Well, now the Washington Post has settled. But here's what the media did to this young man. What was he, 16 or 17 at the time? 16 years old? I mean... He handled it perfectly. I would not have had the self-control this young man had. He should be so proud. His parents should be so proud. Lynn Wood is never going to stop. I know him. He is going to crush every one of these places. I would never want to go against Lynn Wood ever in my life. He's that unrelenting. Uh, This is how they covered that moment. A racist played out in Washington yesterday on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Some students harassing an older Native American man, a Vietnam vet. The situation came to a head when that young man there, wearing a Make America Great Again hat, got right in his face and didn't move. The video appears to show dozens of youths wearing Make America Great Again hats, mocking Native American elder and Vietnam veteran Nathan Phillips. Yesterday, a Native American man was confronted uh, by young people with Make America Great hats on. Uh, There's something wrong with that. Outrage over this now viral video showing high school teenagers harassing a Native American elder. When you have the kind of anger that we saw uh, at the indigenous people, 
People's March, where a veteran, a Native American man, was you know had a standoff with students who were you know mocking him. A crowd of teenagers surrounding a Native American elder and other activists as one smirking high school student blocks the elder's path. We feel that President Trump is giving license to some of this behavior. Another man of peace stands face to face with bigotry. The elder says the encounter with the group, an intense stare down with the one teen in particular, leaves him fearful of the future. This kid in the front thinks it's somehow acceptable to stand in the face of this Native American man. It's not just him that disturbs me, it's the, it's the others, it's his schoolmates there that are having fun with it. They think yes. it's funny. It uh, interests me that we're at a day and age where we see things like this occur. Those protesters who were on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, the Native American man who was beating the drum, Nathan Phillips, and those kids in the Make America Great Again hats that were kind of smirking at him and kind of looking down their noses at him. We only hope that uh, they're in the minority, hopefully, uh, that kind of action. The truth is, is that Nicholas Sandman was the one that withstood. Yeah. What do we have? The the black Israelites, whatever the name of that. They're calling the, the Hebrew Israelites names. What's that? What's it called? The it Hebrew Israelites. OK. And he was telling his fellow students, no, guys, don't don't engage. He handled it perfectly. He didn't walk over to the Native American activist. What's his name? Nathan Phillips. Phillips walked over to him and got right in his grill, banging a drum in his face. He handled that perfectly, but he didn't back down. He just stood there and smiled. He said he smiled because he didn't want to escalate things. But I will say this. Thank God he's not a public figure. That's why Linwood is going to make this kid a billionaire is my prediction. We'll never know the final figure. Well, that's why the NDAs, as they call it, exist. And you know what? If that's the deal and people agree to it, that's the deal. But I will tell you, I guarantee you CNN, fake news, and the Washington Post, they paid a fortune. I would guess, total guess, minimum $100 million each. Minimum. And they had to pay because they'll get crushed in a courtroom by Lynn Wood, and Lynn Wood is not the easiest guy to negotiate with. They had to pay. Now, as a public figure, the bar is so high, I can barely, you know, you can't fight back. You just have to take it. I understand that, you know, I'm a public figure, and I get what the law is, but I have a plan. Linda, how good is my plan? I think it's pretty good. Pretty good? Scale of 1 to 10. Well, I'll see it when you put, you know, your words into actions and then we'll give you All a right. 10. Assuming my words go into actions, one to You 10. know what happens when you assume you're, things, you're, You know, you can't answer a question. You're like, you know. I learned that from you. <laughs> the art of pivoting. Well, it's just, let me just say that the day and age of people with um, impunity just attacking you know, I've saved a little bit of money just for this cause. Just a little, right, Linda? It's not that much. Like a smidge. Smidge. This is what I think about the federal government being in our city. You took it out! You took it out! You took it out! You took it out! You
matter if you're a Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're a liberal. It doesn't matter if you're independent. It's time for us to realize we can find a middle ground. The middle ground is not burning down our own country, not burning down our city, not hurting our own people, not degrading our own race, not degrading our own race. It's how we degrade our own race. You see stories like this on the news. What do you do? You know, it breaks my heart. You know, immediately I have to immediately do a role, a family roll call to make sure that all my family is safe and friends and family that's in Chicago are safe. And that's sad that we have to do that. And that's sad that we've come to a point where we have to make sure that we're checking on our family members uh -huh. daily. Anytime you see a headline like this, anytime you see a story like this that is breaking, you know, it's sad that kids can't play outside. Um, people can't go to the grocery store and bring their groceries home and feel safe. This is, it's sad. And it's, and it's something something has to happen. And so that's why I'm so thankful for President Trump, because he is definitely making sure his promise of making America safe again. And with him and the partnership with the DOJ and make sure they release federal agents to Chicago. It's very important. All right. There was the sounds of, oh, the mayor said mostly peaceful protesting now going on, uh, what, five, six weeks in, in Portland. Uh, genius that he is, uh, unbelievably stupid and idiotic. I mean, they've lost all control of Portland, just like a lot of these big liberal cities. Uh, defending the fence of the federal courthouse, you had uh, their Deontay Johnson, advisor, advisory board member of Black Voices for Trump, thanking the president for sending federal agents into Chicago. But as I had in my interview with the president last night, he's only sending 100 people there to defend uh, federal property and courthouses from literally being burned to the ground. And then you have that genius mayor, uh, light foot, lightweight, uh, you know, not wanting anybody there to help. And, you know, let's what's the carnage going to be this weekend? What will the shooting toll and death toll be this weekend? And what is any Democrat doing to to help protect and, and save lives and prevent people, our fellow citizens, from getting shot. I mean, it's unbelievable. And they just keep doing it. You know, and you have the protesters, you know, just out of control, and it is getting worse by the day. All right, joining us now, Reverend C.L. Bryant, our friend, author of The Race for Freedom, senior fellow, Freedom Works. Bishop uh, Harry Jackson is with us, one of the... African-American leaders spoke at the Evangelicals for Trump, Praise, Prayer, and Patriotism in Atlanta, author of the book, A Manifesto, uh, Christian America's Contract with Minorities, uh, which, by the way, is coming out uh, very shortly. Uh, thank you both for being with us. Uh, you know, Reverend thank CL, you. you and I, you know, I think we share the same belief. I'm sure Bishop Jackson agrees with us. The first role yep. of any elected official has got to be safety and security. The, these Absolutely. cities are failing our American family. Our children are getting shot and dying. Grandmas and grandpas are shot and dying. You know, moms and dads are being shot and are dying. Sean, this is not the America that my parents, who marched with King and brought him to Shreveport, Louisiana in 1959, this is not the one that they paid for. And the one that I want back is the one that we were having five months ago, 
when we were seeing incredible prosperity across the board. Red, yellow, black, and white Americans were seeing prosperity. We were booming in this country. That's the America that they wanted me to participate in. And they certainly didn't want me to have anything to do with the tearing down of a nation where they paid the price for my participation. And by the way, I want to say this, Sean, uh, for the monuments. All of the monuments were in place during the time that we were overcoming the darkness of American past. I don't think that they have hindered us whatsoever. They are a constant reminder of how great our nation is when we look at our past from where we've come from to where we are. So let us stop the lunacy. Let us stop the murder. And by all means necessary, I applaud this president in any way that he wants to take back our streets so that we can experience what we had just five short months ago. Bishop, we're we're talking about saving human life, precious lives. You know, our children are our national treasure. Uh, These mayors, there's 15 of them. They have one thing in common. These are liberal cities run by liberal Democrats for decades. My question to you is I'm having a hard time wrapping my arms around uh, a, a greater desire to fight the president politically than to save lives and protect lives. Well, you've really hit the key. This is a politically motivated beginning point. I was with the president in the Oval Office after Charlottesville, and we saw the narrative begin to unfold that he's a racist. Now, anybody who's been around him knows that he is not a racist. I've been advising him for nearly four years. He's a man of great courage and compassion. So what we're dealing with, Sean, is the narrative that says the law in order is anti-black. That's the narrative that the others are trying to come up with. So forgive me for the background noise in an airport, but I think this is part of the problem that we're dealing with. So they're saying we don't care if we blow up our cities as long as we get Trump out. I cannot believe that any of this is anything but a politically motivated ploy. Now, what has got to happen, I'll say one more thought, is that the generation before, I'm close to Alveda King, as are you, uh, understood that nonviolent protest was a right of all Americans. King specialized in nonviolence. He was controversial in his day because folks wanted to use other methodology. But we have now a distortion by a young generation, and they're being used as pawns by a socialistic, communistic group that wants to perpetrate violence, create anarchy, and get Trump kicked out of office at any means possible. That's my take on it. Man, you 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 put a lot into uh, into that mini monologue of yours. Very powerful, as is C. L. Bryant's. Um, I, I if you look at New York, for example, C. L. Uh, Reverend, I, look, I'm so stupid. Why I'm even here is beyond any comprehension even I have. My work has kept me here, to be very blunt. Um, and I, you look at this New York City, and it's the same in Chicago. Uh, there are now weeks. 
where a hundred percent of shooting victims are minorities. On average, it's ninety-eight point five percent of shooting victims are minorities in New York City. Uh, to me, this—it's not an identity politic thing; it's a human issue. You know, we keep hearing yeah. Black Lives Matter. We're, we're talking in many, many instances about saving black lives, and they're not doing it. And I, I watch with great frustration and anger at this point. You know, interviewing Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. broke my heart. That should not have happened in the the summer of love, Chaz Chop autonomous zone. His 19-year-old son dead. This, you know, and meanwhile, the mayor did nothing to protect anybody and allowed anarchists to take over entire city blocks and a police precinct. There has to be consequences to these mayors for their malfeasance in office when it comes to this type of violence that's happening. And one of the greatest in New York, Sean, was the greatest city on earth at one time. And when, when, uh, mayor, when our good friend was the mayor of New York City, and that was Giuliani. But now it has absolutely regressed. And we cannot go back to 1970 or 80 New York. We cannot do it. We can't allow America to go back to those. Hey, Reverend, I hate to tell you this. I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. It's already back. It's we're back at that point. Wow. And and he just caught uh, cut a billion dollars from the police budget. And he got rid of the number one street crime unit in New York City. Is there anybody dumber than him? Maybe Andrew Cuomo rivaling him. And frankly, they're all dumb, you know, with their no bail policies. Harry, Harry and I were in were in Tulsa together with the president. I, too, Sean, sit on uh, the advisory board, Black Voices for Trump. And the president, by no means, is a racist. What he is, though, is someone who expects everyone to bring something to the table. And he had provided that vehicle for all of us to participate in by stimulating the economy the way it was stimulated by rolling back the restrictions on business. This was helping black business. This was helping every business in America. And, Sean, when we look at the onslaught of attacks against this man who had us on a a trail of being very, very uh, productive and very, very uh, I guess what you would say, uh, insightful as far as our economy is concerned. He had us on that trail, and we want to get back there. And this foolishness that is destroying our nation and destroying our communities and keeping our older people afraid for their lives behind their walls, this has to stop. I'm one black man who will stand with Donald John Trump on this. Well, I'm another who will stand with the president. Here's the, here's the tension, Sean. The two narratives that are going on, one is racist administration uh, is the accusing uh, that happens from mainline media. And then we have a president who wants to keep all people safe. I wish that we had had the um, audacity to name this movement All Black Lives Matter. See, what you're saying is 
that the lives lost in Chicago matter. The laws lives, uh, the lives lost in black abortions matter. The laws uh, lives lost. Oh, you mean the you people. mean the federal funding of the founder Margaret Sanger, who believe was a racist that believed in eugenics. You mean that that Planned Parenthood, that one? Yeah, yeah. We need to get, we we obviously need to get rid of it. So what this movement is doing is creating, as I say, anarchy. Um, Black Lives Matter has two dimensions. One is a political organization of socialistic, communist, and et cetera, who does believe in the destruction of the family unit. And then there is a cry from many who are uninformed that are simply saying, we need something to change. In my book, Manifesto, they don't have, I talk about the fact. Yeah, Bishop, I'm going to hold you guys over because there's too much to get to here. And we're also going to take calls for both of you because I think this is too powerful a discussion. And I want to run an idea by both of you that I ran by uh, George Floyd's pastor and and some others. Uh, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. If you want to talk to Reverend C.L. Bryant, Bishop Harry Jackson. Why are we engaged in such violence? Because there are too many damn guns on our streets. And why is that so? Because the Republican leadership for way too long, including this, this president, refuses to even have a conversation about common sense gun reform. The reality is sending in federal agents who don't know Chicago, don't know our streets, aren't trained in our use of force, uh, which is de-escalation and only use of deadly force as a last and only result, that would be a disaster. We've seen that happen. We see what's going on in Portland. Also, um, but sending people in law enforcement who don't know our streets is going to exacerbate, not help the problem, which is why I've drawn such a sharp line. I I mean, is this not one of the dumbest people ever elected to political office? You know, de Blasio, Cuomo right up there, witless Whitmer. I mean, you know, shut down Whitmer. Uh, Then you have Murphy and then you have Wolf and then you have, you know, the the governor and the the mayor of uh, Seattle and, and Washington State, Portland, Oregon, another dope. Uh, I, I just sit here with stunning shock as they are oblivious to the death, the carnage, the anarchy, and they do nothing. Never seen anything like it. And it's getting worse. And people are dying and they're more interested in taking cheap shots of President Trump Today, these federal, by the way, professionally trained law enforcement, they are not trained in our methods of de-escalation. I don't see any de-escalation. I see an acceleration of death and carnage and wreckage. And I mean, it's the saddest part of all of this to me is it is all preventable. You know, C.L. Bryant, we're going to get back to in a second. He mentioned Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Kerrig. They've been on this show many times talking about it. What they did is miraculous. They brought the murder rate in New York City from about 2,500 a year. It finally got down to around 300 a year. Well, now we're up 300 plus percent in terms of shootings now going on in New York City. And you know what's going to happen? People are going to leave New York, California, one and two. People leaving these states. Why? Uh, you know, burdensome bureaucracy. Then, of course, you have the highest taxes. Then you have utter incompetence 
on every level. And now you don't even have safety and security in any form or fashion. So, you know, watch, watch and see how long this takes. See if, see if your old friend Sean Hannity might be right here. Uh, we continue now. The Reverend C.L. Bryant, Bishop Harry Jackson is with us. Uh, we're going to get to your calls for them. I want to ask them both one question first, and then we'll hit the phones. Uh, Bishop, we'll, let, we'll, we'll start with you. So I had George Floyd's pastor on the on the program, I think for now two, two full hours of radio, Linda, if I'm not mistaken. And one of the things I brought up to him, and, and also I know the spiritual advisor for uh, Horace Lorenzo Anderson uh, Sr., uh, Andre Taylor, who I've come to know and like a lot, and we don't agree on everything, but we agree on this. And the discussion has evolved into, have you, both of you noticed that in a lot of cities in America, you have, you know, one underlying faith, the Christian faith, a belief in God, the Father, Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, God so loved the world, he sent his Son, and if if we only believe in him, you know, we're saved. Okay, that is fundamental. Do you both agree with me that in too many cities, even though you have that fundamental belief, many churches are still segregated in as much as the majority of the congregation might be African-American in, in this church, and a majority might be white American in that church, but yet they still have the same fundamental beliefs that, you know, that fundamental belief. Bishop, do you agree with that? I agree with that. Um, the segregation is real, and um, I think it can be combated in that we have a similar belief system. Our only problem is whites look at righteousness from the Bible, which is true. Blacks seem to be looking at justice, which is true. But the Bible says righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne, meaning that to see the glory of God in a city, you've got to have people that believe not just in justice, but in righteousness, meaning you got to be pro-life, pro-family, um, believe that the dignity of the human being is important. And somewhere in the black community, there's been a selling our soul to the devil uh, by saying we're going to side with people who don't believe like we believe, Democratic Party, who won't produce what they say. Sean is like being in an adulterous relationship. The Sunday before the Tuesday, uh, the Democrats show up at our church, say what they're going to do, say, I feel your pain. And then later on, we don't get no flowers. We don't get taken out to dinner. It's more like a midnight call um, that people make for to a prostitute. They get what they want when they want it. And it's time for their... Man, but Bishop, I'm, I'm kind of laughing. You're getting as real as it gets here. You're cracking me up, but it's true. <laughs> You know, can yeah, I just can I say that? So this is my idea. And CL, do you Go agree ahead. with me that if you have the fundamental belief, John three sixteen, God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son, right? right. Um, Sean. Uh, okay, so here's my question though, and I brought this up with 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 Mr. Floyd's pastor. Why don't I, I don't believe government's capable of anything anymore in terms of you know getting anything right, especially on on any complicated issue like this. Why aren't the churches, if, if you have predominantly African-American churches or predominantly Hispanic-American or predominantly white American, 
Why don't they like adopt churches and say, okay, once a month we're going to come to your church, once a month you come to our church and we'll share our common belief in in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't they do that? You know, uh, Reverend Jackson was, was, was hitting it on the head. We have been treated like prostitutes. Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour in America, two hours, whatever it is in America. And of course, Scripture tells us that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray and turned to our own way. And this is exactly what we're seeing in America today, Sean. So you're right. But we're raising a generation of sheep who have gone astray, who desperately need pastors like Harry, like myself, to step up and shepherd uh, the sheep that God has, in fact, put in the various flocks around our nation. However, we have turned instead to wanting to be judged by the color of our skin instead of the content of our character, and too many people who should be uh, referring people to the Scriptures and to the precepts of Judeo-Christian ethics that are in this country are actually leading the march to be judged by the color of skin rather than what we bring to the table through the content of our character. This is what Dr. King was wanting us to understand and to grasp. It's what you bring to the table through the content of your character, not the color of your skin that matters. The color of your skin does not matter one whit. It is the content of your character and what you put on the American table. I I wish you both were pastors up here. I'd love being a part of your church. The problem is I've been so freaking incorrigible my whole life. I'm the last person you want your churches. But uh, let me let me bring in Max Maxwell in Atlanta. Maxwell, say hi to Reverend C.L. Bryant and Bishop Harry Jackson. Hi, how you doing? How you guys doing today? We're good, sir. Thank you, Maxwell. Thank you, Maxwell. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was uh, following the conversation. I want to echo the sentiments of uh, two gentlemen on there. I also want to, you know, provide some perspective uh, as a young uh, black man in the uh, middle age and uh, a lot of friends. We can see the stratagems of the Democratic Party to uh, destroy the president. You know, we're fully aware of it. We're prudent men. You know, I wanted to lend my voice to the show today to, you know, to let the president know that we support him. Hundred um, percent. Can I ask? Can I ask a question, Maxwell? Sure. Why, with all the failure of decades in liberal-run cities, you know? By the way, criminal justice reform, Trump. Police reform, Trump. The greatest amount mm-hmm. of money and longest commitment to historically black colleges, Trump. Um, mm-hmm. Opportunity zones, Trump. And record low after record low unemployment for minorities in America. Why? Do why why when we look demographically in elections, mm-hmm. do African Americans vote in such low numbers for people that have failed them? Because they vote based on emotions. Uh, we both, you know, we vote based on emotions. Um, a lot of yeah. us are not prudent um, to look into matters, and you know, a lot of us collect our news from thirty-second Instagram clips. Not very prudent to see what what's actually going on, and uh, you know they hear one side of it, and that's a big a big part of it. You know, educating yourself as to what's going on is what's the Achilles heel of a lot of us. You know, I, I interact with with you know peers all all the time. Uh, you know, my concierge, he calls wow. me a Trump guy. <laughs> you know, but 
Well, stay right there. Let me get a quick answer from both Bishop Jackson and Reverend Ciel, and I'll let you hear their answer on the line. Go ahead, uh, Bishop. We'll start with you. Well, you're saying why do we keep voting for these guys? Um, I think it's just the motion, as our, your calling guy said, and I also think it's a lack in this hour's information. What I'm personally doing with the talking session with the president, traveling the country, writing the book, is t- attempting to educate and talk about the fact that we need wealth creation, more home ownership. We need education reform, which means charter schools and HBCUs and other things brought up to speed. All these things the president has done. I participated in criminal justice reform and other things you talked about. So I think we're stuck on emotion and we're stuck with the idea that all the Democrats have to do is label somebody else's racist. Now, the gamble uh, that is going on right now in the urban areas is they're hoping that for 100 days, if the cities don't burn down, that these mayors will shift the American sentiment. If we lose the black vote 100 uh, percent, they can keep Trump out. Uh, but I believe that their gamble is miscalculated uh, and that many are going to wake up and folks like myself and CL are going to be running around talking to everybody we can talk about. And the shift that they want to see, the Democratic Party, is not going to come to pass. You know, um, if we're all created by the same God, Reverend uh, Bryant, C.L. Bryant, uh, I got to imagine we all have the same desires, don't we? And that is, doesn't it start with we want to live in a nice home, safe neighborhood, have the latter to success, a good education, opportunities to work hard, provide a better life for your children and grandchildren. I would think that's universal. I have about 30 seconds, sir. Absolutely. The first uh, gift that God gave to humanity was the word called dominion. In other words, he gave us this domain to look after and protect and care for so that we could exist here on this earth. And that's what we must get back to doing. This young man that you had on with us, Maxwell, is a perfect example of the silent majority that will be voting for Trump come November 3rd, 2020. All Americans need to stand up right now and let's take our nation back. Yeah, I said it. We need to take our nation back from those who would destroy it. Thanks for having me on, Sean. Well, thank you both. By the way, Linda agreed with me that no, no, neither one of you would ever want me as a congregant in your church. And I'm like, thanks First a lot, First of Linda. all, CL, you did say that. CL just knocked it out of the park today. He did I, knock it out of the he park. He is on I fire agree. today. Oh, both of, both, Bishop, you too. Both of you have been on, on fire. But I'm just telling yes, you, Linda thank you, Bishop telling me in my ear. She won't, even, she won't even disclose at her church that, you know, that she works with me. It's so bad. Listen, you're my longest relationship. Isn't that longest enough? 15 years working here. Come on. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you both. We're praying for our country. A lot at stake in 102 days, I'll tell you that. Uh, Many of you, you know, you need sleep. I mean, these have been rough times. Think of it. We started the year with impeachment, then the invisible enemy, then the anarchy. And um, it's been a crazy year, and it's going to only get crazier the next 102 days. All right, news roundup and information overload hour coming up next, uh, including my interview with President Trump. We'll get to that. Uh, now, many of you, the mob and the media, they're never going to tell you. 
Uh, but in fact, we had a huge, huge revelation yesterday that showed that the president's first intelligence briefing as a candidate was a spy mission. And that happened in August of 2016. Who was it led by? Oh, yeah. The guy that was looking into uh, Crossfire Hurricane and Crossfire Razor against General Flynn. It was a setup. It was a lie. Comey caught lying yet again. We'll prove it all. We'll get comments, insight, what this means for John Durham's investigation. Greg Jarrett, uh, David Schoen, as we continue on this Friday and our interview with President Trump. Straight ahead. Was the FBI able to confirm any criminal allegations contained in the Steele document? Mr. Chairman, I don't think that's a question I can answer in an open setting because it goes into the details of the investigation. I want first to ask you about your conversations with the president, the three conversations in which you told him that he was not under investigation. The first was during your January 6th meeting, according to your testimony, in which it appears that you actually volunteered that assurance. Is that correct? That's correct. Did you limit that statement to counterintelligence investigations, or were you talking about any kind of FBI investigation? I didn't, I didn't use the term counterintelligence. I was speaking to him and briefing him about some salacious and unverified material. So let me, if I could back up just for a minute and kind of reset this thing, is everyone will remember the FBI was investigating the Russians and the fact that the Russians might have been inappropriately intertwined with or coordinating with the Trump campaign. We investigated Mr. Flynn because he had very significant, well-known, high-level contacts within the Russian government. By the end of December, we hadn't found very much new until, of course, we stumbled across absolutely uncontrovertible evidence that Mr. Flynn was having surreptitious contacts with the Russian government through the local ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. Um, very simply, he was interviewed about those contacts. He was given an opportunity to explain why he was talking to the Russians. He lied during that interview. That's what he admitted to. There is a suggestion out there, largely in this conservative media, some admission that, that the FBI was trying to set up Michael Flynn. Conservative media has been obsessed with finding some indication of a setup since this all started, you know, several years ago. It, the, the simple fact is it absolutely did not happen. And I think that those notes, if in fact they are Bill Priestaps, are, indi are indicative of that. The team got together and discussed the strategy. How do we approach this interview? What sorts of things should we be thinking about? I think those notes reflect one person's internal deliberations across the range of options that might that might take place. Yeah. Uh, we strategize about interviews every day. When we sit down with a terrorist, we think about will they admit to the crimes that we think they have committed or will they lie about their known associations? Yeah. If they lie, will that give us something else, additional leverage that we can apply in our investigation? That's exactly what happened with General it, it, But I would point out that um, General Flynn was not targeted. He was properly investigated in a well-predicated case, a case that's been a case whose validity has been proven not just by those of us who are involved, but later by the Mueller investigation and after that by the inspector general's investigation. Um, he was investigated because we had reason to believe he presented a threat to national security. Um, I still think that those things are worthy of investigation. Apparently, the president does not. 
That was Andrew McCabe. Prior to that, it was Jim Comey. Both lying, lying through their teeth. By the way, as we now knew from, for a while now through the inspector general's uh, referrals against both of them for lying. You know, the reason that Manafort and and Roger Stone and let's see, uh, uh, General Flynn and Papadopoulos, even Michael Cohn. These are the charges. And, you know, you have in the case of Comey, we now know that what they did in August of 2016 is they sent in a crossfire hurricane uh, FBI agent for the sole purpose of looking into Trump and Russia. August of 2016, James Comey lied. McCabe lied. What McCabe said about Flynn, also a lie. They didn't think he lied. We know that's true now. And then you have... Comey, Mr. Higher Honor himself, lying again. Well, first it's, no, 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 no. He was not under investigation. He lied to Senator Susan Collins. Then he lied to Trump when he said the the dossier is salacious and unverified. But we knew months earlier that he, in fact, signed the FISA warrant, as McCabe said, without which the dossier, there wouldn't have been a warrant. Liars. Where is justice? Greg Jarrett wrote two best-selling, number one best-selling books, Witch Hunt and Russia Hoax. David Schoen, civil liberties attorney, also Roger Stone's attorney. Um, incontrovertible, overwhelming evidence now, and yet nobody's indicted Greg Jarrett. Well, I, I would hope that the indictments would soon follow. I think there's uh, one or more individuals who were in on the conspiracy uh, to defraud and, uh, you know, violate constitutional rights, and I think that person is talking and implicating all of the others. So I, I do expect indictments to follow. But, you know, the clips you pay, play just show how devious and corrupt these people are. James Comey's FBI, along with Andrew McCabe, sending in uh, an FBI agent uh, to not debrief uh, Trump, but to gather incriminating evidence against him in this undercover operation, classic spying, spying on a presidential the presidential candidate to help the other candidate, Hillary Clinton. Uh, and of course, they gathered nothing incriminating because it was all a hoax. Uh, there was no collusion, and the FBI well knew it. They didn't care. This is truly despicable uh, behavior. And, you know, the FBI agent at the center of this, Joe Pienka, is being hidden by the FBI and Christopher Wray, the current director. They don't make him available to Congress for questioning. They have sequestered him in the field office of the FBI and scrubbed him from their website. So the cover-up, Sean, continues to this day. Ray should be fired uh, for his involvement in what is essentially obstruction of Congress. I, 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 you and I are on the same page on all of this. David Schoen, in spite of the referrals, in spite of now overwhelming evidence now about Comey and McCabe and others, they didn't get your client, what? Process crime lying to Congress. 29 guys in tactical gear, frogmen, pre-dawn raid, guns drawn, just like Manafort, except Manafort didn't have the CNN cameras tipped off. Process crimes. Uh, I got to tell you, if we don't get this right, if there's not equal justice and equal application of laws, you'd say bye-bye to the country. There's no way to justify any of this uh, conduct. Listen, can you imagine how it could be that Hillary Clinton wouldn't get indicted for what she did with her email server? I mean, the length they went to to destroy those emails, any other American would have been indicted for that kind of thing. It starts there. But, you know, I had to laugh. I hate to say it because it's sick. 
But I had to laugh when I hear McCabe saying the conservative media, you know, has it uh, wrong and that they think that somehow Flynn was set up. Nothing wrong was done there. Did he miss the whole submission the independent prosecutor made to Judge Sullivan? Exculpatory evidence withhold withheld. This wouldn't no one would put up with this. But this is the problem when the media is working hand in hand with the wrongdoers. They refuse to expose it. And unfortunately, you know, history shows that when people tell a lie long enough and broadly enough, other people tend to believe that's the truth. That's a very dangerous predicament, especially when it's being done by people in our government. Hate to tell you, but the conservative media is all of us because there weren't many of us. Greg, you and I discussed this recently. You've been What's right that? from day one. Well, I wish I was wrong, but I still trust the 99% of good FBI agents that risk their lives and the 99% of intelligence officials that don't abuse power aren't corrupt, Greg Jarrett. Yeah, but there are crooked people like James Comey and Andrew McCabe. And, you know, McCabe was fired for lying to the FBI. So he's a perfect fit uh, for CNN where he's been hired, you know, a, a lying commentator uh, working for a line network, the mainstream media, which... By the way, can I stop you? Why didn't I think of that line? Go ahead. (laughs) Well, you can use it anytime you want. That's called called plagiarism. That turns me into Joe Biden. (laughs) It surely would. But but you have my permission. Uh, You know, the, the mainstream media drove this narrative, uh, and they, they were so gleefully doing it, and they were relying on, oftentimes, information from leakers without ever uh, independently trying to determine whether the information leaked to them was true or false. They didn't care as long as it damaged Trump. And, you know, leakers like McCabe, and we now know he was a leaker and tried to blame other people for his leaks and got caught doing it. Uh, you know, they're all now working together in concert to try to perpetuate the hoax and the myth, even though we now know that uh, early in 2017, when Trump was inaugurated, they knew it was all a lie that was funded uh, by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And, you know, the lies will continue until Durham's indictments are released and therein will contain the story, damning evidence of corruption and abuse of power. Where does this end, David Schoen, and and why is it taking so long? It didn't take long to go after your client. That's right. No, listen, there is a network, good old boy network going on. I hope that Greg Jarrett is right. I hope they're indictments. I've been a cynic all along about that. I just haven't seen it. And because I haven't seen it, look, I thought we would see it after the inspector general's report. There were scathing reports about McCabe and Comey and wrongdoing. Anyone else would have been indicted. We just haven't seen it yet. And I'm very worried that we won't. And that it proves what you've said all along this dual system of justice, and how long can the American people be snowed? Greg Jarrett's books are, is documents every bit of this with footnotes. You can't get around it. Your show has exposed every step of the way what they've done. None of it should come as a surprise when you see Mueller pick a team completely of partisans and a right-hand person like Andrew Weissman. The handwriting was on the wall from the start. It, it's scary that this could happen in the country, and that's that's where I keep getting back to. Um, Uh, You know, now we're getting into a political season and I know it took forever to get the IG report. Now it's taken forever to get Durham to act. 
Uh, I understand there might have been the courts might have been closed down in terms of convening grand juries, but that now is back in action, Greg. Yeah, I, I believe it is. Of course, grand juries are secret, uh, so we we can't know absolutely for sure. Uh, but just as everybody else telecommunicates, the grand jury, I suppose, could do so on secure uh, venues. So, uh, but I, you know, I would suspect that they're they're back in action. The material has been presented to them. And, uh, you know, I am more and more confident the more these documents emerge, as they did yesterday, uh, the more confident I am that there will be significant indictments uh, against the people who must be held accountable. Can you, you know, can you give me the who's who? Who gets indicted here? It has to be Comey, right? has to be well, I, McCabe. If it were left to me, it would be uh, Comey, McCabe, Peter Strzok. Uh, Lisa Page, uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, uh, probably Joe Pienka, uh, and, you know, a whole host of others. And that's just the people at the FBI. Uh, you know, there are people who were involved in the Obama administration at the State Department, the Department of Justice. They may be on the list. And I would expect people that we, you know, perhaps have never even heard of, uh, you know, who, who have come forward uh, or been caught and forced to, uh, to tell the truth. So we'll wait and see. Who do you think is on the list, David Schoen? Again, I remain a cynic. I don't believe... Uh, you, uh, Greg just named a murderer's row at the FBI. I don't believe a single one will be indicted, and I believe any other American citizen similarly situated would be. I think it's a shock to uh, what's going on in our system, and I'm very worried about it, frankly, and I'm worried about the message it sends. And can you imagine, if these folks get in office, this will all be thrown under the rug forever. There's no reason Mr. Durham shouldn't have uh, released indictments by now. Grand juries are meeting all over the country still. All right. Um, it's, yeah. You know, why do you think, I said, I'll ask you both, we have 30 seconds for you each. Why, I've told Comey publicly many times, you have the right to remain silent, Mr. Higher Honor, and I suggest you use it. But he and so many others involved in this have been so arrogant. Why, Greg Jarrett, knowing that he had to know the truth deep down? Be because he's nauseously vainglorious and self-absorbed. That's why he's coming out uh, with a, a, another new book in a few months entitled Saving Justice. It ought to have the subtitle, Because I Ruined Justice uh, Single-Handedly with My Lies, Corruption, and Abuse of Power. And in fact, uh, he's turned his first book now into some sort of Hollywood feature uh, in which, you know, he lionizes himself. It's really quite sickening. The only thing can stop it would be an indictment of James Comey. He right. deserves that. Last 30 seconds, David. They've gotten away with it because of the word you said, arrogant, and because they've always gotten away with it. Andrew Weissman's gotten away with it forever. He was cited by a federal judge for his misconduct in the 90s, and he's skated ever since then. The agenda they had was political. The investigation now should not be. Every American should want this investigation. The crimes were committed. They should be investigated and prosecuted, just like Joe Biden should demand an investigation of Hunter's activities in the Ukraine. If they're clean, they should want to clear the record, and the American people should demand it. All right. I want to thank you both, David uh, Schoen, Greg Jarrett. Uh, their book, by the way, Greg's book on Hannity.com. Quick break. We'll come back and we'll come back on the other side of this and continue. 800-941-SHAW. My interview with the president up next straight ahead. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour. All right, so last night, the president, we had a long interview with him, touched on a wide variety of topics. Uh, We're going to play the best of that here for you and come back on the other side. Let's start with some breaking news, and that is that you earlier today decided to pull back on the convention in Jacksonville. You gave a reason. Can you give us the reasons again in more detail? Well, it's really the China virus. Call it COVID. Call it any one of a lot of different names. But, you know, we're setting an example. We don't want to have people so close together. We've had such enthusiasm. Everybody wanted to go there. You know, we went to North Carolina. We wanted to do it there. It was all set. And we're going to build a beautiful facility. And it got hit hard. And the governor then uh, really, he uh, could have treated us better, Democrat governor. But we are actually opening up there, and then we'll make uh, we'll make our ways. It won't be your typical convention, I can say that, but it's going to be very safe. And I thought I had an obligation not to have large numbers, massive numbers of people crowded into a room. But I heard you talking about the cities and the safeties of the cities. It, I've offered them all, every one of them, and there's 10 of them. We're offering all of them. Let us go in. We'll clean it up. We'll clean it up. Now, in Portland, we had to do it because that was that's their anarchists. That's even that's a level that people haven't seen. But they're anarchists and they were going wild for 51 days. And we went in and and, uh, they've done a great job. They're going to rip down the courthouse, a big federal courthouse, gorgeous federal courthouse. So we went in and we've been very, very strong. And we have this Mayor Whalen, who I think is also he's also the. Police commissioner, as I understand it, Wheeler. in Portland, yeah, uh, Mayor Wheeler, and he's uh, he made a fool out of himself. Liz. He wanted to be among the people, so he went into the crowd, and they knocked the hell out of him. That was the end of him. So it was pretty uh, pretty pathetic. But we want to go in and help the cities. We want to help Chicago. We want to help all of them. Detroit's having problems. They're a very good police chief in Detroit, but they have problems. We'll go into all of the cities, any of the cities. We're ready. We'll put in 50,000, 60,000 people that really know what they're doing. And they're strong. They're tough. And we could solve these problems so fast. But as you know, we have to be invited in. Mr. At President, point, I want to ask you about we're gonna that. We're going to have to do something that's much stronger than being invited in. But we have to be invited in. One thing that all of these cities have in common, they've been run by liberal Democratic mayors, liberal Democratic governors for decades. What do you say to the people? Most people would argue you don't have a chance of winning New York or Illinois or California or or Washington state. Well, you're right. They're run by very liberal people. You could say radical left in some cases. In some cases, just liberal Democrats. And uh, they're not taking care of their police. They're not respecting the police. Uh, The police do an incredible job. It's a very tough job. It's a very dangerous job. And these mayors, and by the way, governors and senators and congressmen, Democrat congressmen, they want to pass stuff to make the police uh, less. They want to take all of their power away. And, you know, you'll have a a bad situation where you'll have a bad cop, a very bad cop, and they they have no idea the problem they cause. But you have 99% great people that work hard and get paid not nearly enough, and the job they do is incredible. And uh, these these people are just taking all of their 
respect. They're taking their guts out, and it's a shame. It's a shame. And, you know, the police, they could do the job. In Seattle, uh, they could. They knew that we were coming in, and they went in just before we got there. So we were all set to move. But if we weren't going to go in, if they thought that we weren't coming in, it would still be bad. But those police can do the job. But the mayor and everybody tells them not to do it. The governor, they say not to do it. And it's a philosophy. And let me tell you, if Joe Biden never got in, the whole country would be like that. You know, we have a lot of great cities. We have a lot of very safe cities, great places, great states that don't have any problems. And they look at the things that they see in Chicago and they look at what they're witnessing in in Portland and all of these different places. And they can't believe what's going on. But we have, you know, we have great places, but we have some some instances that nobody's ever seen. I spoke with the mayor of Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot, and had a great talk. But within minutes after that talk, you just reported it tonight. A couple of more people were shot. Young, very young children were shot. Sad. Why in this case... Do you believe he's going harder left than any candidate I've ever seen in my lifetime, for sure? Because I think he's afraid of the people on his left. I think that when these are very radicalized people, I mean, he's gone so far. He's given Bernie everything. Bernie can't even believe it. I heard Bernie's going around saying, I can't believe what we got. And this was a negotiation that was done very quickly. And today I saw President Obama with him. And remember this, I wouldn't be there if it weren't for those two. If they did a good job, I wouldn't, you know, I ran. I ran against what they did, and I won. And nobody campaigned harder than President Obama. Somebody said, oh, Obama's coming. And I said, that's okay. We beat him the last time. I think he campaigned harder than Hillary Clinton did. You want to know the truth. Remember, I'd always talk about there comes Air Force One. Obama was all over the place. But the fact is... Biden and Obama, I'm here. I'm in the White House because of them. If they did a good job, people forget. But if they did a good job, and except for the China virus that came in, we were setting every record you could set for unemployment, for uh, the stock market, every single record you could imagine. And then what we did, we rebuilt the military, we got rid of regulations at a level that no administration, even in eight years or in one case more than that, uh, no administrations come close. And we've appointed, you know, we will have almost, it could even be more, but almost 300 federal judges appointed by the end of my first term. That's a record. Nobody's ever done a thing like that. And two Supreme Court judges, great ones. Mr. President, um, I'm not a doctor. I won't play one. Uh, I don't see, I think Joe Biden has aged dramatically since he's left office. Um, he doesn't seem very alert. He's, they seem to be protecting him and hiding him. We now have interviews that are being shut off by handlers. What's your reaction, sir? Well, in all fairness, I know people that are 90, 91, 92 that are sharp as attack. Uh, Bernie Marcus, as an example, Home Depot and, and others. I know numerous. But, uh, you know, I, I just it's hard to comment on somebody. You know, he's an opponent. Uh, you have to be very sharp. I'm dealing with the heads of these countries and every one of them is a world class chess player. And if you're not 100 percent on your game, if you're not 100 uh, percent sharp plus 
you got a problem. I looked. I looked at what we have in this country. I came in and I, I guessed it from before, but after I saw what was going on with horrible trade deals, horrible military deals, money being spent, it was being sent out like water. You see what I've done with NATO, $140 billion, but really much more than that. It increases every year where countries are now paying for what we're doing. It was so unfair. So many different things. I could go on. You don't have enough time. I could go all night with it. But you have to be on your game. You have to be sharp and you have to be tough. And if you're not, these guys are going to take you to the cleaner. And they will take you to the cleaners like you've never seen before. It's so easy. And uh, he wasn't he wasn't the best in his heyday. Let's not kid ourselves. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Senators will tell you that in his best he wasn't. But but uh, I see the statements he's making now, and I don't think he has much of a clue. Well, you know, at the beginning, many people, many very respected people, I won't mention names, but many respected people were saying, uh, don't wear a mask, that they're bad, you touch your face, face too much, and you get your hands near your eyes and your nose, and they're bad. And then all of a sudden, uh, it was a big thing to get masks, because I'm all for it. Look, whatever's going to help, if it was a 5% chance, a 2% chance, wear it. And I'll wear it. I worked at Walter Reed Hospital the other day. I went to the hospital. I, I visit soldiers that have been so badly injured in Iraq, and uh, it's uh, terrible. In Afghanistan, I saw one that was so badly injured in Afghanistan. And, you know, we're largely, we're down to a very small force in both places. We're, we were serving as policemen over there, and we can police our own country, especially when you look at Chicago and you look at what's happening around our country. And, uh, you know, we've we've done a lot. We've done a lot. But uh, you have to, we have to do, we have to get our country back. We have to get rid of this horrible plague that hit us, and it hit us hard. But it didn't hit just us. It hit the whole world, Sean. The whole world was hit. China allowed it to escape to Europe and to the whole world, including us. And they're suffering this tremendous, you know, you don't see that too much in the news. But you have countries that are going through relatively uh, what we're doing plus 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 it's horrible and we make ventilators because we've become we've become the best in the world for the ventilators we're making thousands a month we're we're sending supplies all over and we're we're in great shape from the standpoint but we have this thing that's very very contagious nobody's ever seen anything like it very very highly contagious but if you take a look at a map we have large sections of the country that are in great shape and we're going to win and we're going to win sooner rather than later. So I ask you, you know, where are we with the vaccine, the therapeutics, how soon? And do you want every American, if they can't socially distant, to wear the mask? I, I selfishly want baseball and football to open so we can go. And I also want to protect grandmas and grandpas. I'd like to see everybody, if they can't spread, if they can't have, be socially uh, distant, then I think they should probably put it on. And even if it's, uh, let's say it's a 50% chance or 25 because again, people, these same experts were saying don't wear it at one point. Now they're saying wear it. So let's go with them. What difference does it make? we got to get rid of this thing. So let's say they're right. And let's say there's a 50% chance or a 25% chance. We're not going to lose with it. You're not going to lose with it. So do it. But again, as I said, I really think you're going to have some uh, answers very, very soon on uh, therapeutics and also on vaccines. These companies, I'm dealing with them directly. I'm getting reports directly. They're very far advanced. They've already started testing. 
And what I've done is through the FDA, Dr. Hahn and some great people, we have ramped it up to a level that nobody's ever seen speed like this. We could be two or three years out before we're doing what we're doing. We're already testing. We are actually doing the testing for vaccines and for therapeutics. Uh, that would have happened in a normal administration, I will say that. That would have happened in two and three years from now. So we're way, way advanced. And I think you're going to have some very good answers very soon. And they're going to come up with the answer. Mr. President, you're asking the American people for four more years. If you're given the four more years, what will this country look like, in your view, four years from now? So it's all going to be about America first. We always put other countries before us, which is so foolish and so horrible, and it's been so destructive for us. It's about America first. We'll help other countries, but we want to take care of ourselves. We're going to be building factories. We're going to be bringing in jobs like you've never seen. We were all set to do it until we got hit with the virus. Our troops will be home. The endless wars are already ending down to very few soldiers, in, as you know, in Afghanistan, very few in Iraq. Syria is largely out, except we kept the oil. We have oil there that we kept. I didn't want to leave the oil. We kept it. Yeah, we took it over. Uh, we're going to be about jobs like you haven't seen. We're going to be respected, and we are now by other countries. They're respecting us more than they have in many, many decades, I will tell you that. We're going to have a wall that's complete. We're up to 257 miles on the new wall. And by the way, if we didn't have that wall in right now, you would have numbers in Texas and in California and New Mexico like you wouldn't believe. But we built uh, 257 miles of, it's 450, but we're going to do about 537 miles altogether. That'll give a complete, beautiful wall at our southern border that's really helped. And the other thing is, we're going to start making our product. And I've been pushing this from before this happened, we're going to make things here. We're going to make them here. Right now, China and many other countries are doing what we're supposed to be doing. They went, they became globalists. These great geniuses became globalists, and they really hurt our country. Well, it's just more and more things that you see, and that's only what you see. Uh, it is really bad. It's a terrible thing that happened, should never happen to another president. The fact is that President Obama and Vice President Biden and the whole group of them with Brennan and Comey and McCabe and Lisa Page and Strzok, her lover, and beyond them, long beyond them, they spied on the campaign using the intelligence agencies of our country. They illegally, this is illegal as can be, this is uh, treason. This is many things you can call it. They spied on the campaign of another and, party and the or a presidential and the camp, General. both before and after victory, both before and after. Never been done before. It is so bad. If it were the other side, they would have been in jail for two years and it would have been a 50 year term. But Obama and Biden knew everything and they spied on the campaign of the opposing party using intelligence. All right, that was the president from last night on Hannity, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Please always set your DVR. We always appreciate you being with us. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. But let not your heart be troubled. When we come back on Monday, we begin our 99-day election countdown. Have a great weekend. Rest up. It's going to be a roller coaster the next 101 days. See you Monday.